Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 69 in the chapter, How It Works. We'll be reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins, we reviewed our own conduct and ends all down on paper and looked at it. Today's readers, and thank you for your service, the 12 Steps, Katie G, the 12 Traditions, Laurie C, um, readers, Judith SP and Vanessa G. Our newcomer greeter is Reva P, and our second hour host is Anne Marie M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, March the 21st, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 20,071. That's 20071. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 20,072. That's 20072. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovered, recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Katie G. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Lisa, thanks for taking the meeting. Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Excuse me, I'm sorry. That's my line. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Katie G. And I will now ask Lori C. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Lori C. from Virginia. These are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God, he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Thank you, Lori C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 69, the first paragraph that begins, we reviewed our own conduct and ends all down on paper and looked at it. And I'll now ask Judith S.P. to please begin reading. Good morning. My name is Judith S.P., gratefully recovered for today in Maryland. And thank you, God. Thank you, Lisa, and for everyone who is here today. We reviewed our own conduct over the past, the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt 
Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. I looked up the word, although I've used it much my life, review. And in this context, it speaks to me as action, which is the major energy that I use every moment that I consciously am connected to my higher power every day to keep my abstinence, to stay in recovery and serve others as I serve God. And the definition of review is a critical appraisal. Oh, excuse me. Examine or assess something formally with the possibility or intention of instituting change if necessary. And the part of that definition that applies so much for me to this power graph is if necessary. It was and is and will always be necessary for me to look at, assess, review, and come out better on questions such as asked in this paragraph. I counted because uh, we is such an important word to me. In this short paragraph, it is stated seven times. And this means for me, Judith, I have to take responsibility to go back and look at my past with respect and integrity and humility. What was my part? Where was I, the person who activated and was selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, hurtful, and so forth? I have spent most of my life Um, looking and blaming others. It was always something else, somebody else that made my life miserable. And I, without real consciousness, hurt tremendous amounts of people along the way. And now that I realize that I am in a position to take responsibility for my actions, past and present, I can do something about it. But it is very difficult for me to do anything about my present and my hopes for the future if I don't learn the God-given lessons of my past. Sexually, fears, resentments, all down on paper. Why do I have to do that? That is so much work. Absolutely. The work pays off. I have to look at and review and learn from the gifts of my poor choices. As it says on page 88 in the big book, that when I turn my life and my will over to God, thy will be done and trust that God is running the show, I can be released from poor decisions. But until I look at the decisions I have made, I cannot go forth in the love and light of God. And with that, I pass and look forward to the shares of today. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Judith SP, for getting us started this morning. 
And although we value your experience, we do ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on Monday or Tuesday at any of the vision meetings, we ask you to hold back. And who would like to share on what was read this morning? Alice W. Alice. This is Larry K. Larry. Danielle. Danielle. I can take a couple more. Okay, this is where we're going to start. Oh, Christina. Yep. Okay. I have Alice W., Rifka R., Larry K., Danielle O., and Christina J. Alice W., you're up, followed by Rifka. Hello. Um, I'm Alice. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thanks so much. What an amazing reading and such a fantastic meeting. Um, thank you for your service. And I really, uh, really enjoyed this paragraph. Um, yeah, we reviewed our own conduct of the years past. I'm, I'm very sensitive. I've always, one of my big, biggest things is I've always sort of re-victimized myself that, you know, I put myself in the victim role and I sort of take it in terms to, to put in the part, you know, in the past some people in the kind of the baddie role. And, um, you know, that that's always kind of affirmed this sort of re-victimization of me. And I, I'm, I've been hypervigilant criticism. I kind of grew up, uh, that was my upbringing, was being uh, constantly cri- criticized. So I kind of get very sensitive about all this stuff. And I thought, oh, you know, I haven't done anything wrong or it's all them. And actually what I realized is this isn't about a sort of criticism, you know, beating self up uh, thing. This is just all my blocks from God. This is what stops me from being close to my higher power my higher power is everywhere my higher power's air you know so it's not like higher power goes away it's just whether I choose to connect to my higher power or not and with my defects you know yeah I don't mind them being pointed out but they're not sort of criticisms of me you know they're they're blocks from God they're my disease um they're error they're not truth and, um, you know, when I, because this is all on the sex inventory, um, one of my biggest ones was jealousy. I've had that. And I would, you know, on the back of the sex inventory, I would always think that, sorry, my dog is whining. Um, always think that that was love and it's not <laughs> necessarily. So, um, you know, the way I would, would arouse, uh, I would never think that I'd arouse jealousy, but I would sort of where I'm manipulated always to get love to get love where it was always from my higher power not other people and I've always wanted to get it from people um and bitterness and setting the ball rolling and doing it in you know it, it talks about step three graciously I could be gracious and kind you know when I'm running the show too um and um so I've, I've, I've also done that you know to, to get what I would like um and we got all this down on paper and looked at it. It's really helpful for me to look at it and really get honest and really look at the facts of it. Um, because when I'm in my disease in my head, I just think, you know, everyone was awful and bad. And it's not about that. And also, like, spiritual principles, 
for me like aren't about going someone's right or someone's wrong um you know and and you know it says love and tolerance is our code and it's also remembering i'll finish i'm a distinct entity i'd love to be like normal people but i'm not um i'm just not like normal people i can't afford all the same things that normal people can do and and uh, if i don't take care of my program my spiritual you know my my spiritual health then then um you know it all goes to rack and ruin so so i'm a bit ner- i always get really nervous of sharing so i'll leave it there thank you Thank you, Alice W. And Rifka R., you're up, followed by Larry K. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Rifka R., recovered compulsive overeater in Baltimore. Ooh, this paragraph, where had I, where had we been selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? My gosh. This is a particularly painful paragraph for me. Um... And I always had glossed over this part previously in the fourth step. You know, I figured I'd been married for many years. You know, I became religiously observant when I was 21. But when I got really, when I came back after relapse a little over two years ago, and I got, I don't want to say brutally honest. I'd rather say, like, deeply and lovingly but painfully honest about this part. Like, resentments and fears were really comparatively easy compared to what I saw in this. Like, I always knew that I was deeply resentful and fearful, but I never saw the depth of how I used people before. I always used people to feel that I was well, I was okay. And I remember when I, I was 16 and, you know, I knew, you know, 16 had never been kissed, right? So I was so terrified of being 16 and never been kissed that, I went on this like overnight, and I, you know, we, all the boys and girls were you know, sleeping in sleeping bags together. And it was like, just find a boy who will kiss me. Just, just let me know that I'll, I'll, I'm I'm six, I'm sixteen. I just turned sixteen, and I and, and I don't want to be never kissed, you know. Like, and all my relationships were were like that, and they were deeply painful things. When I look back at all the times that anybody that would have me could have me, just so that I would feel okay about myself and. Even my husband, I mean, I when we got married, you know, I didn't marry him because I, I loved him and was, wanted to be with him. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have a family. So for, you know, the first 36 years, thank God we've been married for 41 years, but for, for the first 36 years, I, like, tortured him, not being able to accept him, you know, and being resentment and being fear that I married some the wrong person because, you know, uh I didn't love him when we got married, and then I kept myself from that love. Like, when I finally opened my eyes and saw what I was doing the last time doing this, you know, this inventory, I mean, there was loads of tears, loads and loads of tears when I saw my life. And this this step, well, this part became about opening my heart and becoming receptive to life learning how to love, to connect, to appreciate, <sighs> so I can live, really live, not the bankrupt way I was living, you know, using food to live my life, using people to live my life, which is just a miserable existence, but living Time. as God, thank God I'll finish with this, living as, as God would have me to see with different eyes. I just want to say that, thank God, the relationship that I have today 
with my husband is one of deep love and connection, and he didn't change. I did. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rivka R. And Larry K., you're up, followed by Danielle O. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much, Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Boy, it's easy to moderate when we're talking about sex, isn't it? There's <laughs> not a big old long line uh, of people trying to get in here. But anyway, I'll jump in. Um, you know, when I think about just sharing my personal, you know, history um, or, or one aspect of my personal history that affected me and just how, how things have changed as a result of this program, you know, when I was very young, uh, before puberty, um, you know, I, believe me, my plan was not to be molested by, um, by a, a babysitter. You know, that, that, that wasn't part of my plan, right? And I was 10 and she was 16. Didn't know what was going on there, but, but that, that happened. You know, that was part of, part of my, my script. And, you know, I mentioned that only because, not only because there's only a few of us on the line, so that's okay. Not too many people have to know. But anyway, <laughs> the what, what what the outcome of that was that there was naturally. I look back. There was a lot of emotional detachment. I learned to emotionally detach. You know, the disconnect from my feelings and emotions surrounding anything. You know, because I was sexualized before my time, right? And. It, it, you know, and, and so as a consequence, there was the inability to manage or control my emotions and so that they didn't overwhelm me. Um, I, I developed different coping mechanisms and I became emotionally detached and I, I had, you know, perhaps difficulty in forming, uh, you know, close relationships, intimate relationships. And it may have appeared cold or unfeeling or disconnected and it probably was, but it was just this little boy that was emotionally detached as a coping mechanism. Now, here's the thing, because I'm sure I'm not the only one on the line that's had experiences like that. But as we move towards a God-centered consciousness, having a spiritual transformation as a result of these steps, I'm not saying it erases our past, it, you know, it removes traumatic situations, it doesn't. But what happens is, what happened to me is, my natural instincts become recalibrated, right? They, they, you know, they become recalibrated. They become corrected or amended, if you will. In other words, when, when, when God-centeredness overrides self-centeredness, all my thoughts and actions and motivations are guided by the presence and the will of divinity, of, of a higher power, of my creator. And now I slowly but surely become more aligned with the values and principles of that higher power. And that becomes the purpose of my life. And in a God-centered consciousness, the focus of my life now is living a, a, a life that's more pleasing to this power, that's doing things that are more esteemable and infused with integrity. And I begin to live in accordance with, the, the, you know, with, with all the principles with that. And so you could take a guy like me and who still has challenges in this department, right? And it could be misinterpreted. Oh, I want love as much as the next person. I want closeness, and yet I'm affected the way I was affected. So what happens is, is slowly but surely, God begins to, this potter begins to mold and shape me and shape my sexual ideal and takes me right where I am. And the God of my understanding loves me right where I am. 
And then from there, <clears throat> you know, when I do that, instincts like sex are shaped in the way that God intends them to be. He will take me. He will take, thank you. He will take those traumas and he will use them for good. And here I can share it with you. So anyways, with that, I'm very grateful. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Danielle O, you're up, followed by Christina J. Good morning, everyone. My name is Danielle O uh, um, from New York. I am a compulsive reader. I'm still within my 30 days of abstinence, but this time it's really, for me, it's such a miracle that this has happened because I've been abstinent um, where I've been able to be successful with, with a lot of things, but there were some things that I was missing. And so as I'm going through the steps and listening to uh, people share, you know, there's a lot of core, core things that are getting talked about right now that I think for myself has been always an issue in how I behave. So I really related to the previous speaker in that, you know, what the things that shape my life today, I think, are so much more God-centered than they were before, and they are. But, however, <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that I, I, I look at, and I'm going, why, why do I keep wanting to overeat? Well, because I have a tendency to, you know, like more. I, I want more, and it's this, and it's that. And, and so I, over the last five years, it's been a roller coaster of in and out of the room. And... I don't know what makes this time different. I don't know, but I'm here. I'm abstinent. I'm grateful. How, when, when I look back at some of the things that's been going on, you know, I, I look at and then listen to what the topics over the last couple of days. And, you know, it really means looking closer at me and what is it that I'm doing and what, it, what have I done to just kind of think that I can act like other people and, and not be affected. You know, and I was sharing with some friends that um, some of the things that have happened when I detox from um, sugar and all the other items that had to happen, because for me, for me, it had to be coffee as well. Danielle, oh, I think we lost you. Darwin. That's okay. We ended with um, had to be coffee. Okay, so so as I as I quit coffee, it kind of leads to the the creamer and the sugar, and there was always something else that it always leads to. So, you know, I'm I, it's kind of basic stuff right now. I'm just trying to keep it simple, keep keep myself uh, away from certain foods, and I and I feel great right now. I feel it feels incredible. Uh, and, and as I and, and as I turn to God and, and praise him for what has happened, I have to remember that, you know, I'm still in the, the first 30 days and it's like there's still a lot happening. So being gentle with myself, understanding that I, you know, God's got me and I'm, I'm in good, I'm in a good place for. Oh, Danielle, we lost you again. Not sure why. I keep getting disconnected. I'm sorry. I'm done. That's okay. Okay. Thank you, Danielle O, for sharing with us. And Christina J., you're up. Morning, everyone. Morning, Lisa. Christina J., in North Carolina. Um, 
I'm currently in step four. I haven't gotten to this part of the inventory yet, but I've done a couple of inventories on uh, the sex issues and cleaned up a lot of that. But <clears throat> my experience was that I did some shit, man. I did some stuff. And uh, not proud of it in, in these years that I get to look back at it now, but I was ignorant and I was young. And I learned, as one of the previous speakers shared, about some bad habit patterns of what love was. And um, I chased those because I didn't know how to, I didn't know what love from a man was. I thought it was all about sex. So I went out searching for love, validation, and attention. Uh, One thing that saved me was that um, I wanted a friend, you know. I wanted communication. I wanted uh, not just a um, you know, one and done. <laughs> we can say that around this issue. Uh, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man. I didn't want that. I wanted more. And um, so that kept me off the streets because I could have easily gone out on the streets with uh, this kind of um, root pain I had about wanting love from a man in that way. Um, and I have been looking back recently, waking up in the night uh, with realizing I could see that young woman in my eyes, you know, traipsing away from certain situations, horrified at what she'd done. And also what I see now is I see the selfishness of it. I see how selfish I was in chasing those things. And, you know, I often hear people talking about selfishness kind of in a guilty way. And I can look back and forgive myself because I don't do those things today. I learned very hard lessons. It was a very hard time. I had affairs when I was married, and I talk about, uh, you know, sweat dripping like guilt when I would wake up in the night, um, and I would validate it and numb out because I deserved it, just like I deserved the food. I deserve it because I work hard, right, and I don't want to be in my job and all these selfish things, and so it was the same with sex and the same with, um, you know, it's not just about the actual act and uh, relationships in that regard, but um the, the relationships as far as being jealous of other people uh, and causing indirect harm because I never really got in their face and told them off, but I had bad thoughts and I gossiped about them behind their back. That's bad relationships, you know, that's that's very painful. And those thoughts go out and those treated, people treated me like crap and I just couldn't figure out why because I was always nice to their face. <laughs> but this work is beautiful because um, it allows me to unnumb because some of those things I said, I'm never telling anybody. That's going, that's going way down deep inside and that's uncomfortable for an overeater, for an addict. We can't keep those things inside. Those are like steaming uh, coals that keep, you know, the this, this stink of it keeps coming up, coming up. And uh, especially as you get older, you can't, at least for me, you know, I'm, re- I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't talk right. I'm looking at my life when I was younger and as I get closer to death, I'm, hopefully I'm far away from that still. But you look at things. Your past comes back to haunt you. And this is the work that gets to clean that up. This is where we can forgive ourselves. This is where we can see where we're selfish and not do it again. My husband used to say to me, honey, I know you had a lot of affairs. Is, is it possible that you're going to do it again? And I said, hell effing no that was so painful i've learned to honor relationships you know through all the shit i did so thank you for letting me share my past thank you christina j and we are on page 69 in the big book in the chapter how it works 
we read and are sharing on the first paragraph that begins, we reviewed our own conduct and ends all down on paper and looked at it. Who else would like to share this morning? Jim S. in Toledo. Jim? Kim P. Kim A. Kim, Kim A. Russ M. Russ M. Tracy G. Tracy G. Pamela P. Dana. Pamela. Somebody R. Rosa R. Rosa R. Okay. Anybody else? Hopefully I didn't miss anybody. I'll tell you what I have. I have Jim S., Kim A., Russ M., Tracy G., Pamela P., and Rosa R. Did I miss anybody? Okie doke. Jim S., you're up, followed by Kim A. Star one, Jim. I know I heard Jim S. Jim S. in Toledo. Sorry. Okay. Um, I identify with the word inconsiderate when it comes to my sex experience. Um, I've been able to um, recover from that issue. I did something last night that could be very dangerous for me. I attend um, the prison in Toledo on Tuesday nights, and I gave my number out. And I didn't realize it at the time, but then I was going home, and I thought, oh, my God, I gave my number out to somebody that I don't know, and how dangerous is that? And and so I'm trying to retrieve that number if I can. But... um. And I'm just getting started with my recovery, my overall recovery, um, and my relationship with my wife. Um, I was on the right track, and I just was sharing my heart out last night. And then I, in a moment of weakness, gave my number out. And so I'm, I'm going to try to retrieve that today. And get myself back on track and I'm just glad to be in a meeting where I can tell what's going on with my life and I can seek solutions for what I'm dealing with today and with that I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Jim S. And Kim A, you're up, followed by Russ M. Hi, good morning. This is Kim A in New York City. So When I'm working with a protege on steps four and five, I always tell them the sex inventory really is not about sex. I don't care who they've had sex with. This is about looking at who we've hurt in intimate relationships. Even if we weren't physically intimate, it's about ways that we've used people to feel good. It's ways that we have maybe taken revenge in the bedroom or otherwise, using people to, you know, make a partner jealous, or using people to feel good about ourselves, whatever it is. Just like the resentment and fear part of the inventory, the only purpose of this is to get everything down on pen and paper so when we 
share it with our sponsor. They can help us see the truth. They can help us see things in a new way. So this is an objective fact-finding mission, right? This is not about an emotional overhaul or realizing, like, how much we suck, how much we've hurt people, how much other people suck. That is not at all the purpose of this. Um, somebody had said that this is about just finding the blocks between ourselves and our higher power. And in step five, when our sponsor helps us see the truth, you know, these are the first action steps. This is a program of action. It's not a program of going to meetings. It's not a program of three calls a day. It's not a program of, you know, having red light foods. It's, it's a program of action. And we go about it possibly by using different tools. We don't all do it the same way. But the first action is to get this stuff down on paper so we could start to see the truth. Um, and this is the stuff that makes us eat, right? When we're resentful, when we've used people, when we've done harm, you know, all these ways, again, not because we're bad people, but because, you know, we're sick people. And I rarely stray from the big book, but I did read step four in the AA 12 and 12, and that really helped me understand the fourth step a little bit better. It helped me understand about the instincts. And our sex instinct is a good instinct, right? It's a God-given instinct. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. But just like everything else, somewhere along the lines, it went awry so that we could, I don't know, kind of like keep up this, this illusion of control or keep up with, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. It's just another way that, that our thinking went awry and that we acted out without meaning to hurt people but because our thinking is skewed, right? And if that's the stuff that we eat over, then this is the first, the first way that we start to eliminate that need to go to food for ease and comfort instead of our higher power. I hope that makes sense. This is Kim A. from New York City. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Kim A. And Russ M., you're up, followed by Tracy G. Good morning. Thanks. Please appreciate it. Russ M., Recover Compulsive Overeater, Norristown, PA. So uh, kind of like it's very similar to what Larry said. You know, at a young age, I was, I was sexualized about seven years old. And uh, I definitely ate over that. But because of that, my behavior, just just the way I approached people, not 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 that I was, uh, you, know, you know, I'm not trying to spill the whole my whole sex life or anything like that. I just approach people differently, more physical way in my mind, more than more than anywhere. And until I got that on paper, till I looked at it, um, you know, I didn't realize that there was a trend there, and it was connected to. Uh, me trying to get numb, and uh, you know, it was at, it definitely definitely out of balance. And to be frank with you, I have to, I still deal with it every day. I've done a lot of work on it, and uh, if it's not through the grace of God, you know, between the, the finances, the food, uh, you know, h- how I approach people from a physical standpoint. 
you know, I, I'd probably be on the streets. I'd probably be, be dead. It's only through God's grace that I'm doing anything. But, you know, looking at that, it showed how 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 manipulative I could be, and I was. And in, in my own eyes, you know, I thought I was a pretty clean-cut kid, and I treated people right all the way around. And obviously that's, you know, how addict does it, but I really did make a concerted effort not to to treat people harm someone with my with my sex powers. You know, it's that there was something to that for me because somebody hurt me. But it, in the end, as you as you go through this and you really fine tooth comb it, you realize that you did manipulate some people and you did hurt people. And thank God that we we can do, you know, work a fourth step again. Thank God that this program is here to get us closer to God and to refine ourselves. So maybe by maybe 15 minutes after I'm dead, all this stuff is all in place and I have it all figured out. But uh, it's only through the grace of God that I'm doing anything. And, you know, uh, thank thank goodness for, for this program that I could actually uh, – See, see what the what the truth is about who I am, and uh, thanks for letting me share. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. Thank you, Russ M. and Tracy G. You're up, followed by Pamela P. Morning, Tracy G. North Carolina, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, I'm praising God today with one month of abstinence. So this paragraph is. Um, profound to me because I had to review and look. Um, and I remember when I first did my step four and uh, I didn't understand then what I know now, which is doing one column at a time because I was ready to make that list and really start writing down profusely what others had done to me. Um, but then there was a day when I had to go over to what, how it affected me and more important, my character defects. Um, and that was a day of pausing and praying and honestly, profusely crying. Tears just could not stop because I had to truly look at my part. And who was at fault, which is me. You know, uh, previously, the par- a paragraph talks about how it just needed to be overhauled. And that was the truth. I allowed people to define me to judge me, to change me, to make me, to mold me. And I had to turn all of that over to God so that uh, he could renew my mind. Because I I thought that was what I knew. That was all I knew. Um, And I realized that after I did this inventory, I don't have to live like that way. Much of it was in my fleeing emotions that were so feeble, that were not factual. And... um, then I could ask God to start changing my mind and to live by um, what I consider unwavering faith. And I started recognizing through doing this inventory that was all my emotions that blocked me from the sunlight of the spirit. And I couldn't move forward. I was paralyzed. I was stuck because I had so much blame, shame, and guilt for allowing those things to happen to me, which some of them were completely out of my control. And so once I started pursuing God and asking him to change my heart and my mind and to focus on who he would have me be, um, it, it was a revelation because it was about giving and serving to others and forgiveness. 
because he loves me and he he forgives me. I mean, I am uh, imperfect, <laughs> um, very imperfect. And uh, this was just a great season of me to learn, to uh, grow, and to continually grow. I'm continuing to make amends, um, living and dealing with the past. I have a few more of that. Uh, and so after, uh, when we get, when I once I got to step five and et cetera, there was great comfort and assurance um, because I knew that that God was near, that He was in this, and regardless of what happened in the past, I could put it down. And he wasn't leaving. And matter of fact, the more I started moving forward and living in the present, um, his power showed up. And I realized that he was the ultimate helper to begin with. I just needed Hi. to let go. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Tracy G. And Pamela P., you're up, followed by Rosa R. Yes, hi. This is Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Um, yes, yeah, so right now, I'm currently on step four. I just did a step maybe a month and a half ago or less, and now I'm doing it from the AA book with my sponsor. Yes, yeah, so um, I had a lot of hang-up about the sex thing because when I was a child, when the petrified ring for two, like a year and a half or something uh, in the summertime, my father and mom never knew about it this day. They in heaven. And also, because of that, it made me overly friendly with men. And I was in the sex industry for over 24, 25 years. And I've been out since 2016 in the end of February. I thank God for God. I thank God for my amazing boyfriend who helped me got out. And so it made me weird with sex. Sex is just, like, to me, finance sometimes. Um, it's hard to get very overly cleansy. Um, you know, it's um, very non-emotional to me at all. It, like, basically, just you know, pleasing my partner and that it. Um, so it's a, a weird vibe sometimes with your relationship, especially if you've been through child trauma, sexually. Um, concerning my food, you know, right now I'm going to try or do a day one again back to a restricted food plan and being more calm with the food. But concerning that, it, it's just a daily thing because I do get a lot of flashback reminders of what happened when I was a child. And, you know, I just something I pray about. Um, I think God, my partner, very understanding, and so I thank God for that. And it it tough when someone uh, when a child been abused. It really trauma. I'm 50 year old, and some of the stuff I went through is still relevant to me. If we are doing the time we're in the sex industry, it didn't bother me that much. It still bothered me when I get in a relationship with we are. But, you know, I'm trying because God loves me no matter what, and I think God will get through this. Um, but besides that, I, I feel fine. It's just, you know, try to accept myself, but I do want to please my partner. And it's just hard when you go through trauma. Everything in the timetable with me. And also because I've been in the industry for so long, 
Everything is time concerns. It's a certain time, and then it beginning and not emotional at all. And uh, when I was in the industry, they treat me like a mannequin. The way you look, it's, it's so, you know. So anyway, um, that is why I thank God for God. I thank God for my amazing partner. And I, you know, I'm still trying. So thank you to let me share today, I pass. Thank you, Pamela P. And Rosa R., please share with us. Hi, this is Rosa R. in Colorado, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, oh, man, gosh. I think sex is actually um, the issue that really got me into 12 steps in general. Um, I, um, when I was young, I, I caught my dad watching pornography and at that age, um, we didn't really talk about sex. It was not talked about. So all of a sudden, I got this false belief of, um, you know, sex is love, and I have to sex control whatever sexual partner um, I'm I'm involved with. And, um, you know, I carried this false belief into my first marriage with a sex addict, um, and, oh, gosh, I, I just, when I found out that, you know, he was having, he was powerless over sex, I was, I resented him. Um, just the, the betrayal that I found out about, I so resented him. Um, and then the very thing I resented, I also ended up doing. I, I cheated on him with my best friend at the time, and um I rationalized it away. Oh, it's, oh, you know, I'm not attracted to women. You know, I made all these excuses. And then I was also an actress at that time. So I was stage kissing boys, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't telling my partner because I knew he'd get mad. I was like, oh, it's just, I'm just acting. Um, and the rationalizations really just kept me from admitting my motives, which were, um, you know, A, I wanted revenge, B, um, I also was operating from two defects. Um, one was that false belief of, you know, sex equals love, and the other was um, that sexual attention equals worth. Um, and I, for the longest time, you know, if I told friends about what had happened, oh, you know, they'd understand. But it's really not about the action itself because sex in itself um, Again, it's God-given, so it, it doesn't matter. Like, if you had sex non-selfishly, it doesn't matter what that looked like, really, um, so long as your motives were not to harm, were not to control, were not for selfish motives. Um, and so it's this, this examination has been especially humbling for me, and, um, you know, I, I definitely have amends to make here, and, and you know, you just start looking at, okay, how am I connecting myself now? How do I approach um, and now? Am I still carrying this false belief that sex equals love and that sex and uh, sexual attention is, is my worth um, and that I have to use sex to control? Am I trying to use sex to control people? That is so icky. And gosh, what a sad, sad, like non-pleasurable and, and God-worthy way to have sex. That is just, it's miserable. I'll tell you now. Fine. Um, so anyway, thank you for this topic. Thank you for being here and thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. 
Thank you, Rosa R. And I think we have time for one more share. Would anyone like the last three-minute share this morning? Lisa B.T. Lisa B.T., please Stop. take it away. Okay, thanks very much. Hi, this is Lisa B.T., uh, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Guelph uh, near Toronto, Canada. Um, yeah, what a fascinating topic. Um, and... I, there's so many places I could go, but listening to everybody else, here's the thing that is really standing out for me today. Um, so basically, I was in a very comfortable place of um, feeling that um, I could treat others the way I chose to treat them um, because I was completely justified. Um, you know, they had done this or they had done that or they had withdrawn in this way and they had withdrawn in that way, whatever it was. Um, I really bought into um, the the victim role, um, but also like that the, to me the shadow side of that role, which is um, so I'm going to um, inflict in my own way, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, revenge. But I never saw it that way. And to me, um, I think the thing for me that's really standing out is that that ha- is how I have always felt about. Um, my eating behaviors, um, they have always been in my mind, oh, well, I'm not hurting anybody, right? Um, like that was always the justification. Um, and I was recently at a, a birthday for my son who's now um, almost turning 30. And because there was a big storm at Christmas, we had to cancel the actual date and and um, have it later in January. And um, I heard him say to his sister, and not to me, but in passing, he said, oh, okay, the cake is still here, uh, the birthday cake. The, the cake is still here. It was a frozen one. Um, oh, I didn't think it would be. And boy, like, was that ever a, like a little, like to me it was like, well, of course everybody notices. Like, you know, people notice, and the whole I'm not hurting anybody and I'm justified, um, it has really come to light um, painfully but also joyfully and knowing I'm in a room full of people that get it is, is remarkably healing. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa BT. Um, we have a quick 40 seconds. Anybody have anything quick? This has been um, so rich. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us. Oh, Don, you got about 30 seconds. Don, yeah, I just want to say almost ditto on everything about um, all the stuff that I heard today about about the sex stuff. I, I, you know, I did this inventory before, and it just gets me. I was always emotionally not available, totally not available, attract. I could attract, not, and I did attract men, but I pushed them away. I pushed them away. I could not emotionally um, free myself. And it was from childhood stuff. And um, just ditto on everything I heard. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks. Thank you, Don, for closing us out this morning. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, March 22nd, 
2023, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,078. That's 20078. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Vanessa G., will you please read our book is uh, a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. Thank you, Lisa, for your service today. Thank you, everybody who was on the line. This is Vanessa G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Mexico. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day. For the man who is still sick, the answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the, ha- the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.